Hey, good morning. Well, these uh, past couple weeks, we've been uh, doing this series uh, called Until Everyone Knows. Hope you got your booklet and all that kind of stuff for it. But uh, in this series so far, we've talked about the heart of a God and the heart of the giver. And this series and the prayer guides you have are all about aligning those two things. Like we want to align our hearts, the heart of the giver, with the heart of God. And so let me just ask you on the front end of this, if this is your church home, if you're part of Huddle Bible Church, a member or a regular attender, are you committed to pray and seek the heart of God regarding your role in all of this that we are Doing. See, we want our church family, everyone here, to steer their lives, their values, and their resources in the direction of God's heart. And so, one of the things we've done is we've made this uh, commitment guide for you, this prayer guide. And uh, you can see here, this is kind of what we're hoping to uh, build in the future. But we, we put together this prayer guide walking us through uh, 28 days of prayer as a church. And we gave you this before we gave you this. You'll notice that we gave you the prayer guide before we gave you a commitment card because we didn't want to put the cart before the horse. We don't want you just to be thinking about your finances. We want you to genuinely, guys, spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, and ask God to align your heart with His. That what matters to Him would matter to you. What He loves that you would love also. Now you'll see in the back of the book, and you can look there this week, it's okay to cheat and look ahead uh, to the commitment guide. This will walk you through like what we're hoping to do, what we the process you probably need to go through as you look at your own finances and as you look at the future and as you look at what we're trying to build as a uh, church. Uh, we are asking for a uh, from our church family once again as they pray a 36 month commitment uh, with a first fruits offering. We're asking of God that He would provide for us 4.2 million dollars as a church. That's a lot of money. Like that's more money than I have. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna need a little help with this, guys. Right. So we're saying on November 13th that you will come. And bring your commitment. And then on November 20th, you will join us for one service on our new property under a big tent. And you'll bring your first fruits offering and we will celebrate what God has provided. And so just to give you a brief history lesson, God provided this building for us a few years ago. Uh, we were able to rent at first and then purchase it. And then we did a, a small capital campaign in hopes of expanding on it. And at that time, the things that we were looking to do was to build, have room for students, have room, more room for children, and have room for our offices. And through that process, God provided the buildings next door that we were able to purchase that met all of those needs. And so uh, we were thinking at that point of still kind of expanding here and providing more children's ministry space. And so as we looked to building, we get, kind of get kept hitting roadblocks with the city uh, because they really wanted this property, these two acres, for the uh, development that's going on here, the co-op. And so over a period of years, which seems 
like a period of decades to me, like we started and stopped and started and stopped because of the dealing with the city and the co-op. We were in a contract, we were out of a contract, and then finally after the church voted and God provided, uh, we sold this property and uh, we sold this for $2 million. After we pay everything off and after we move into the new building, we'll be able to start paying on that building about a million and a half dollars left over toward the building of the next building. But uh, we were given as part of that deal just under 12 acres that's just south of the ninth grade center, which will be the future second high school for Hutto. All the utilities will be run to that property by the developer they give us $100,000 in fee credits with the city so that we can build. And so it ended up being a really great deal. Our hope is as we go through this time of until everyone knows, our hope is that God would provide for us and we'd be able to break ground after the first of the year. And of course, we're going to build accordingly. If God provides $4.2 million, we'll build what you see here. If we have less than that, then we will build something that is... A little less than that because we don't want to go in a lot of debt uh, because we don't want to limit ministry and we don't want to stop giving what we're giving to missions and to church planting. Instead, we want to increase those offerings. As you heard last week when Michael talked about tithing, you need to know we tithe as a church. Like we give 10% of what comes in and we give it away from Hutto Bible Church to church planting. We have a church plant resident for Taylor. We give it to world missions and uh, we give it away from this property to advance the work of the gospel and the kingdom. And so guys, understand this, this is not our vision. Uh, I mean, this is a great building, but this is not our vision. Our vision is Habakkuk 2.14 which says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's what we're about. Like we want to join God in what He's doing to fill the earth with the knowledge of His glory so that when people see creation, they connect the dots to the Creator. Like we want to be about that because that's what God is doing. That's His purpose in the nations. And so uh, if you have any interest in this more pictures or the uh, you can get the uh, handout we gave out last week that has the, the the building and the blueprint that's all on vision214.org uh, you can check that out as well so now as we talk about this uh, the idea of stewardship and money sadly there will be people maybe even in this room right now who will think this is all churches ever talk about like every time I go to church, all they're talking about is money because all they want is your money. This, this is their one topic. And if that has been your experience, guys, I am really sorry. Like if that's been your experience, if you felt strong-armed by other churches, I am really, really sorry. Now, I can't speak for all churches because I have yet to be made the spokesman for church. Right? Like I'm not Pope Bobby. I'm just Bobby. But uh, I can just tell you, for Hutto Bible, that has not been the case. In fact, this topic, the topic of money, doesn't even break our top ten of the things that we talk about. It is a key and significant and important issue, but it doesn't break the top ten. And so if that's been your experience, I am sorry. 
Uh, but that's not the case here. Others may point out, hey, you know what? You're only talking about this uh, because we're doing a stewardship campaign. Like you're only talking about this because we're building a building. Well, of course. I mean, you're absolutely right. You nailed it. However, I would disagree with the implication that that is a bad thing. I mean, I think about it this way. As a comparison, my daughter Emma and her new husband Jake recently had a number of sessions of premarital counseling with their pastor and his wife. At no point during that counseling did my daughter say to her pastor, you're just droning on and on and on about love and marriage and communication because we're getting married. I see your game. Like, she didn't do that, right? Like, do you see the, compa- the connection there? Like, if I was trying to prepare you for marriage, I would speak about marriage. Like, that would be the wise and it would be the loving thing for me to do. And that's all we're doing here. To which some people might kind of push back. Again, they might counter with, you just want me to make an emotional decision about my finances. To which I would reply, well, of course I do. You're absolutely right. I want you to, I would hope you would make an emotional decision, emotional and rational decision about your finances. In fact, I believe most people are already doing that, right? I simply want you to stop making those decisions based on the emotions of fear and insecurity and greed and envy and lust. And instead, ask God to align your heart with His. And give out of love for Him and for His kingdom. Paul Tripp puts it this way. He says, your financial life is always determined more by your desires, the desires of your heart, than by the size of your income. Isn't that true? It's not just rich people that are greedy. Right? And it's not just the poor that are envious. Like this is a disease that affects us all. And that's why simply creating a budget won't keep you out of financial problems. You see, it it doesn't really get to the heart of the issue. I mean, a budget simply, it may just, it may just help you make your envy more efficient. I mean, living on a budget may just help your greed to be more efficient. Because now you know exactly how much you can spend on you. How much you can let all these proceeds flood toward you. Because now you have it all mapped out. So church family, are you committed to pray and seek the heart of God about your role in this? Are you committed to a thoughtful evaluation of each of these sermons? An honest evaluation of your own heart, a thorough evaluation of your own finances, and are you committed to give as God leads you to give? Like making that commitment on the 13th and bringing your first fruits offering on the 20th. Can I just tell you, as you evaluate your finances and as you evaluate your hearts, you will find out that those two things are intimately linked. In fact, that's what Jesus talks about in Matthew 6 when He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. What he's saying there is earthly treasures will always be lost. I don't care about what your bank, you know, tells you and how much the, you know, the federal government is protecting your, your income or your future. I don't care about how secure you think your retirement account is or the fact that you've paid off your house already. The reality is earthly treasure will always be lost. They'll either leave us while we live or we will leave them when we die. That's how it works. You can't take it with you. And so Jesus says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You see, Jesus is saying, listen, storing up treasures is not the problem. The problem is the location. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Like Jesus is saying, listen, there's an alternative because what is given away cannot be taken away. What is given away cannot be taken away. What is given away is forever out of reach of any economic downturn, any thief that might come to your house, anyone who wants to take from you. What is given away can never be taken away. And then in verse 21, Jesus addresses the heart of the issue when He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Guys, in one verse, really in just one sentence, Jesus addresses the elephant in the room, which is this. Why is there such strong emotion when this topic of stewardship comes up? Like I could be up here on any Sunday speaking about any other topic and y'all are like, amen, this is good. But I start talking about money and you're like, oh, this guy. What's up with him? Right? I mean, there's just, I mean, there's anger, there's fear. Like, why is there such strong emotion around this topic? If money is just money, something that slides through our hands, then why do we try to hold onto it so passionately? Well, because of what it represents, right? Our security, our hope. It represents power, validation, look at me, significance, I've arrived. You know, there are over 2,300 verses in the Bible about money. And so you got to wonder, like, why does God care about what I do with my money? Why does what I do with my money matter to God? Like, is, is God in desperate financial need? Like, did the financial downturn really affect him? Like, is the recession hitting God really, really hard? Like, why does what I do with my money matter to God? Because God knows what we do with our money is really a spiritual decision. God knows that our faith and our finances are inseparable. That's why we need to put our treasure where His heart is. Like, that's what we've been talking about in this series. I mean, for the Christian, there should be zero pushback to this, right? Like if you're a follower of Christ, if you know Jesus, the idea that I'm supposed to put my treasure where God's heart is should make perfect sense to you. And yet, this is that topic that 
stirs up strong emotion. And that's because our treasures exert like a lot of power over us. I mean, Jesus tells us right here in this verse about the power of our treasures when He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He wants us to see the power of our treasure in at least two ways. How it reveals our heart and how it directs our heart. First, how it reveals our heart. Our our treasure reveals our heart because your treasure always follows your heart. I mean, we put our money toward what we really value. Like, you get that, right? I mean, that makes sense. This makes perfect sense. Your treasure follows your heart. I mean, just do the math. Moms and dads in here. Why would anybody ever have children? I mean, if you have a child today, like if you have a child born in 2022, statistically, it's supposed to cost you about $287,000 to raise that one kid until they're 18 years old. Sorry, Pastor Zach. I mean, little John's going to cost you a lot of money. I mean, that's just how it works. And you got to think, why would anybody have kids? And yet, Amy and I have often said that our only regret about children is that we stopped at three. I wish we had four. I wish we had five. Seven would be great. That's because your treasure follows your heart. Like what is really important, what is really valuable to our hearts, like that's, if you want to know what it is, just follow the money. Like our treasure reveals what we truly love. I mean, one example is this summer, I got to go overboard and in my joy, provide my daughter with the wedding of her dreams. And I have zero regrets about that. Like, I am not, guys, I'm not like a generous guy. Like, let's just throw some money toward it. Like, I had a budget. Like, I had a budget. And she busted my budget. She didn't even know. And I didn't tell her because I was just thinking, this is going to be beautiful. And this is my daughter. And in my joy, I did that for her because I wanted to because my treasure will follow my heart. Like, that's just the way it works. What we do with our money exposes our hearts. So Christian, what do you value most? Well, I mean, obviously it's Jesus. Really? Talk is cheap. Put your money where His heart is. Like if if I say that what I value most is Jesus and consistently I spend 99% of all the funds God provides for me on me and I give God a 1% tip, like what would that tell you? about my heart? What would that tell you the reality about what I value? You see, your treasure follows your heart. So what percentage of your income, as we talked about last week, are you given, giving to, to the kingdom? To your local church? To world missions? To the poor? Like We should evaluate our finances and we should evaluate our hearts, and we can do both at the same time because our treasure follows our heart and our heart also follows our treasure. Here's the really good news, guys. Our hearts can be changed. Mine has been changed. I had a 
budget set of what I would spend for Emma's wedding. And my heart changed. And in my joy, I spent more. See, our hearts can be changed. They can be directed by where we do, what we do with our money. Like, if you want to start caring about something, invest your treasures there. Invest your talents there. Invest your time there. Your heart will follow your treasure. Like recently, I was in town at this place getting some water in Hutto, and this guy, I, I met this guy, and literally 10 seconds into the conversation, he starts asking me about whether or not I'm, I'm mining. And I'm like, mining? And he starts talking to me about cryptocurrency. Like, am I, like him, mining cryptocurrency? Like, he didn't get my name, right? I didn't get his name. I just knew that he was mining crypto cryptocurrency, and I walked away thinking, well, that's weird. I mean, that guy is weird, right? Like, this is kind of strange. Like, he doesn't even know me, and he's asking if I'm mining cryptocurrency because it was the first thing on his mind. Like, he was so consumed about it. Guys, that works in a good way too. Not just in a bad way. As you give more to God's kingdom, our, our heart becomes more invested in kingdom interests. Like when I'm reading the news, I'm looking for and interested in stories about Indonesia and India and Nigeria and Vietnam. Because that's where I'm putting some of my resources that God has provided for me. I'm interested in what's happening at Hutto Bible Church because this is where I'm giving my treasures. Like I'm, I follow the stories, like it just like it pops out of the news for me that there's persecution in Nigeria or that there's persecution in India, but the church is advancing and there's doors opening up in Vietnam and Indonesia because your heart follows your treasure. That's just the way it works. Your heart will follow your money. Understand, God doesn't want you to give because He is in any way in need. God owns everything. God wants you to give because He doesn't want your money to own you. God doesn't want your possessions to possess you. God wants you to give because He wants your heart. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Like back in the day when I was a youth pastor, like the kids from my youth group, especially the ones who went to Leander High School, would have a big, long, skinny wallet in their back pocket with a chain on it connected to their belt loop. You know, usually with a can of skull in the other pocket, right? Well, the reality is that chain on your wallet isn't connected to your belt loop. It's connected to your heart. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's why Jesus puts such an emphasis on money and material possessions. That's why 15% of everything He taught was about this topic. That's why 16 of His 38 parables dealt with money and material possessions because He knew that there was a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we handle our money. When God really gets a hold of your heart, He gets a hold of your treasures. Right? I mean, we see it in the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus never mentioned money to Zacchaeus. You know Zacchaeus, wee little man, wee little man, was he? Climbed up in a sycamore tree. You know that? Jesus never mentioned anything about money to him. Zacchaeus instead says, Lord, 
If I've robbed anybody, I'll pay them back twice. Like I'm never going to take more than I'm owed and I'm going to give this much away and this much away. And I'm sure in laughter, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. You're not saved because you give. You give because you're saved. Because you've been rescued. See, when God gets a hold of your heart, He gets a hold of your treasures. And the opposite is true, guys. Listen, if you refuse to give, not simply to us, I mean, if you just refuse to give, your love for God will hit a ceiling. Why? Because there is part of your heart that you're holding back from Him. Your treasure follows your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. Therefore, we need to put our treasure where we want our heart to be. Like your treasure shows you what you're truly trusting in, doesn't it? It points to what you truly love. It exposes what you truly worship. And so you need to put your treasure where you want your heart to be. It's certainly about worship, but it's also about wisdom. Remember, Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Like investing here and now, everything you have is short-sighted and it's actually a little bit stupid, right? Like the old story about J.D. Rockefeller who back in the day was about the wealthiest man in the world and after he died, someone asked his accountant, how much did J.D. leave And the classic reply of his accountant was, he left all of it. And that's just the reality. Earthly treasure will always be lost. I love how Paul Tripp explains it. He says, what has gripped most of us and the culture around us is what I call practical, meistic, presentism. It's practical, Because this really does shape how our world lives today and how we live in our world. It's meistic because it puts me at the very center of my attention. I matter most to me and I need to let all the benefits flow to Bobby, right? And it's presentism because it's all about right here, right now, this moment. YOLO, right? You only live once. And so you better grab every opportunity, every adventure, every dollar, and squeeze out as much as you can because this is all you have. Guys, the reality is earthly treasure will always be lost. It will either leave us while we live or we'll leave it when we die. There are no exceptions, but there is an alternative Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. What is given away cannot be taken away. The great reformer Martin Luther put it this way, everything I've kept, I've lost. But all that I've given to God, I still possess. Can I just tell you, think about this. As our stock market imploded over the past few months, all of us guys with rising prices, we saw our net worth dwindle 
and our retirement accounts all dropped into like 10 year ago numbers. Do you know what account, what investment didn't go down? Like, do you know for me what, what account and what investment was completely secure over the last few years? Everything I gave away to God. Every single dime is secure forever. As I let go of it, like God took it, and it's still mine. I mean, according to Jesus, it's a treasure that I'm storing up in heaven. What is given away cannot be taken away. And that's why, like for this topic, it's so weird to me because this is the topic we all avoid. Like pastors don't want to talk about money. Like, spoiler alert, that's how it is. None of us want to talk about this. And yet, I don't know why we don't want to talk about it because who benefits from it? You. Like what is given away cannot be taken away. You're the one blessing you by obeying the words of Jesus in Matthew 6. You're the one who gets the most out of this. Randy Alcorn puts it this way in what he calls the treasure principle. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. I like that. He says money invested in God's kingdom is immediately out of reach to the most turbulent economic conditions. It is the most secure of all investments. I mean, think about it, guys. Right here, right now, you have an awesome opportunity. I mean, with the stroke of a pen and the touch of a button on your phone, you can invite your heavenly Father into the realm of your finances and you can ensure that a portion of your wealth is untouchable in this world like of crazy economics and everything else. In fact, look, I just gave with a touch of a button. And now there are funds that were in my account that are now forever secure. Like we get to do that. Why would I apologize for calling people to invest in their own future? And if you think all this church wants is your money, Hold on to your money and give it to world missions. Okay? Like, don't give it here. I mean, I think that you will answer to God for that, honestly, because we are your local church if this is your church home. But if you think that's all we want, this is for you. And I believe God will bless you as you're faithful to give not what I tell you to give. Because I can't tell you what to give. But God can. And for some of you, God may just say, hey, you know what you need to do is you need to get a hold of your finances and a hold of your spending and you need to wrestle to the ground the problem of greed or envy or fear. That's what you need to deal with. And you'll sign the commitment that says God didn't lead me to give any additional, but He did want me to do this. And that's, a, that's something worth celebrating. Guys, what's given away cannot be taken away. And for me, I just wonder, <laughs> five seconds after I die, I wonder if I'm going to be thinking, I wish I'd sent more ahead. You know, Tozer puts it like this, any temporal possessions can be turned into everlasting wealth. Whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched by immortality. Since what is given away can't be taken away, we need to put our treasure where we want our heart to be. We need to place our treasure out of reach of this world. 
out of reach of rust or moth or thieves. Like we need to engage in the grace of giving. Like Pastor Michael talked about that last week. Pastor Michael spoke from 2 Corinthians 8 about what Paul calls the grace of giving. And I know at least some of you, because I've talked with some of you, left thinking, okay, how is giving a grace? Like how is that grace? Like isn't grace God's favor and salvation? Isn't that what grace is? And it's like, yeah, that's what it is. But that word means more than simply that but not less. Like the word grace is the Greek word charis. Translated grace for us, that's a great umbrella word that covers really all the meanings. It simply means gift. It means unmerited favor. It's like God is moving toward us with His goodness and His blessing. And so with that as the definition, still, how is giving a grace? Well, this is how. Like I think about the grace of investment like we've been talking about. I get to, with the touch of a button, put out of reach all the economic distress of this day and invest in things that really matter. I'm not just storing up treasure there. Like I'm providing for evangelism in this city. I'm providing for world missions. Like that's pretty cool. I'm paying my own salary, which is, wait, wait, that sounds weird. But I'm doing that. Like that's really cool. So I think about the, the grace of investment. I think about the grace of provision. It's a miracle, guys, that you can give it all. Isn't it? I mean, the Macedonians pled with Paul, let us give. Like he, they gave not out of their abundance, but out of their poverty. He said that they gave more than they were able to give. Like how can you give more than you're able to give? That sounds like televangelism stuff. Well, this is how. They were thinking that the saints in Jerusalem were starving. They were going without a meal. And then they thought to themselves, we can skip a meal. Like I can go and have one meal a day so that my brothers and sisters in Jerusalem can have one meal a day. That's how they gave beyond what they were able. They sacrificed greatly. I mean, that's a miracle that they were able to do that. Like you know today who gives the most? Like statistically, it's the poor. Like the poor in our culture today usually give a much higher percentage than the rich. That's just the way it works. They give out of their great need. So I see the grace of investment. I see the grace of provision. I see the grace of stewardship. Because every time I give money, when I just did that on my phone, I wasn't giving away my money. Has given away Amy's money. No. <laughs> yes. I was giving away God's money. I mean, that's how it always works, right? I don't have any money. Like, God has a lot of money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't have any money. And it's kind of like going to my grandson, little Bo, and saying, here's a hundred one dollar bills. I want you to take this and just give it away to whoever you see in need. And maybe he knows of a kid in his school whose house just burned down and he lost all of his toys and he goes in his joy and gives him all that money and walks away with a big smile on his face because he was able to help him. But Bo doesn't have any money. He gave, he gave away Papa's money. And we're always giving away Papa's money. Like That's the grace of stewardship. And I also think about the grace 
of surrender. I mean, the thought that I can give not out of compulsion, not out of duty, but out of delight. I can give because I have joy in my heart to be able to do that. Where in the world did that come from? Only God did that. And then finally, I think about the grace of rescue. Like giving is a sign of my deliverance from practical, meistic presentism that our culture is just drowning in. Like my heart has been captured by something greater, something transcendent. In fact, Jesus describes it this way in your memory verse, and we'll close with this. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then, hear this, in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and he bought the field. Like He wasn't strong-armed. He didn't feel like he was making a sacrifice. He wasn't giving up anything that mattered. He was giving away tinfoil and getting gold. He sold it in His joy. Guys, that is the grace of giving. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You for the grace to be able to give, for how You've worked in our hearts and how You've changed us. Lord, we thank You for how You're working in this city. And Lord, we just want to be faithful, Lord, individually as believers here. We want to be faithful to do what You want us to do. As a church leadership, we want to be faithful to do what You want us to do. Lord, just like we read yesterday, Paul addresses the elites on Mars Hill. He tells them that there is one God who's not very far from any of them. And that that one God is sovereign over all the nations and that He is the one who sets the boundaries of their life and even when where they will live, He moves them to different areas. Why? So that they might seek Him and find Him. And Lord, we know that You're growing our city. You're growing Taylor. You're growing Greater Austin. And Lord, I believe that You're doing that so that churches would step up and be faithful to share the Gospel. Lord, You're moving people to Hutto so that people from our evangelism team, from Grace Community, from Christ the Rock, from Redeemer, from Hutto Discovery, Lord, You're moving people here so that their neighbors can knock on their door and invite them to church, knock on their door and ask how they can pray for them. You're moving them here so that our outreach team can share the Gospel with them. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful stewards of the resources You give us and the people that You bring into this community. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's stand together. As the band plays, I would ask you to come and take your elements of communion. Take them back to your seat and we will take them together as a church family. You know, people get uncomfortable when you talk about money, and they also get uncomfortable when you talk about the rewards of heaven. Like the scripture says a lot about the rewards of heaven.
speaks about robes and crowns and uh, positions of authority, responsibility, leadership. In fact, that famous quote by C.S. Lewis where he says something like, when we consider the un blushing promises of reward from the Scripture, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're like half-hearted creatures fooling around with sex and drink and ambition when eternal joy is offered to us. Like a child who's content to make mud pies in the slum because he doesn't understand what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea. We are far too easily pleased. See, the treasure of heaven, certainly I believe like what it points to, the responsibilities and the accolation, certainly. But the true treasure of heaven is what this table represents. The true treasure of heaven is a person and His name is Jesus. And this is His body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Him. And the treasure of heaven provided a way so that we could experience the treasures of heaven by shedding His own blood for us. This blood of the new covenant that washes away all your fears, your guilt, and your shame all the things you're struggling with now when you think about your resources and your money, when you think about fear about the future, when you think about the greed and envy that you battle, that's covered by the blood. Not just now, not just the past, but every sin you have ever sinned or will ever sin is under the blood of Jesus if you've placed your trust in Him. So do this in remembrance of Him. Let's worship together. Well, our elders and their uh, wives will be down front if anyone needs to talk or somebody to pray with them. We'd love to serve you in any way that we can. You know, uh, those of you who know uh, this church is your home, you know that I was a, uh, in youth ministry for about 20 years. And during my time in youth ministry, I saw really a lot of really cool stuff. Also saw some not so cool stuff, like going to conferences and uh, seeing the invitation go on way too long and the lights being lowered and the, you know, the, the emotion being turned up and people just being manipulated. Like I hated that because I thought this, I always thought this, like that's just you doing that. And I know what I can do. I want to see what God can do. And I feel the exact same way about until everyone knows. Like, I know what I can do. And I, I could guilt you. I could shame you. I could do all of that crap. I don't want to do that. I want to see what God will do as we meet with Him and align our hearts with Him. And so I so encourage you, if you haven't started yet, get the prayer guide. And begin praying with us and asking God what He would have you do in all of this. What part that you would play. And if you have any questions about 
the stewardship campaign, about the building, about anything, we'll be down front. We can answer your questions or you can email them to info at huddobible.com. We'll answer your question promptly, uh, unless it's stupid, uh, and then we'll make fun of you. But then we'll post it also on the vision214.org website in a FAQ page. Uh, because if you have a good question, chances are 10 of y'all have the same question. And it would be helpful for y'all to be able to read it. And so you can keep checking up on that website for new questions. Like people ask, you know, uh, where there will be a water park at this property? Uh, only if you consider a baptistry, uh, the water park. Yes. But we'll have that. So things like that. Any questions you have, we'd love to answer them. Thank y'all for coming. God bless you, church.